Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Come on, who's excited to be here this Sunday morning? Listen, I know you've already had a ton of announcements, but I've just got to tell you about something awesome that's coming up in our church. And so I'm just going to ask everyone right now to get out your cell phone, okay? Put this in your hands. And what I'd like for you to do, they're going to put a number on the screen, and I would love for you to text the word serve OC to that number. Everybody in the room, text the word serve OC to the number that should be going up on the screen behind me soon here in just a moment. All right, there it is. Hey, listen, we have our first, fourth, first, fourth, fourth, we're going to say fourth, our fourth annual serve day coming up here in Orange County. And I don't know if you've had a chance to be a part of it yet, but let me just tell you, it is an amazing opportunity where as an entire church, we're going to band together and make a difference serving this county where we live. And so there's projects that are going to be happening all over Orange County from feeding the homeless to adopt a block. Listen, we've got some communities all around us that are some of our less privileged areas and some of these kids, they actually get school lunches when they're in school, but during the summer, they don't have that provided for them. And we're going to go into these neighborhoods and have a bounce house and offer free haircuts and provide food for these families who are trying to make it. And and so there's some great opportunities for you to be involved. We're going to have community groups that are going out and they're honoring our first responders. And that's such a fun thing to be a part of. And so I just want to challenge you, text OC to the number and, and find out how you can be a part. We're going to be doing a food drive and some things like that, but I'm hoping our entire church will show up. It's coming up on July 13th. Everybody say July 13th. July 13th, and I don't want you to miss it. And listen, the cool thing is, this is not just happening in Orange County. This is happening all over our nation, in churches all over our nation on this very same day, July 13th. So you're going to be a part of something big right here and a part of something big that's happening all over our nation. And I just think that's an incredible thing to do. So sign up, make sure you're a part, get all the information. I know every single one of you texted the number, so you should be ready to go. But I wanted to make sure you knew about that before we dive in today. You know, I know my husband already said this, but I'm just going to say it again. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Turn to somebody around you and say, Happy Father's Day. Women, men, whoever, just tell them. And babe, Happy Father's Day. Love you, and you're a great dad. You're a great dad in our family, and you're a great father in this house. And so we appreciate you, and we just honor you today. Can we give him a hand? You know, I was thinking about Father's Day, and I was thinking about words that describe fathers, describe dads. And some of the words that came to my mind were protector. Dads are protectors. They're, they're providers. Um, friend. Dads can be a friend. Uh, loyal. Loving. A fixer. <laughs> a handyman. Some of you can play that job really well. Counselor. Somebody who gives wise advice. I was thinking about these, these words that describe fathers and also realizing, just like Pastor Kerry shared with you a few moments earlier, I know that sometimes when we talk about those words that describe fathers, for some of us, for some of us that evokes emotion. <laughs> Maybe it's an emotion of something we've lost. Maybe it's something that we haven't ever had. Maybe it's something we wish we had. 
Maybe you're here in this room and, and your dad walked out a long time ago and, and you don't know how to associate with some of those descriptions of a father. I don't know your story, but what I want to encourage you with today, and, and some of this message has to do with the role of a father, but talking about Father God. Listen, we have a God in heaven, and the Bible describes him as our good father, a good father. So whether you've had an experience with a good father in your life here on earth or not, you have a good father who's in heaven who loves you. He loves you. He's, he is your protector. He says he's our defender. He, he is our provider. He cares about our needs. Hey, he's, he's the fixer. <laughs> he's our counselor. This is a good father in heaven, and, and he loves you, and he cares about your needs. And he also cares about the desires of your heart. And you know, we're in the middle of this series called Words, and we've been talking about the most important message Jesus ever preached, the most important words he ever spoke, and it's found in chapters five through seven of the book of Matthew. And you know, the past couple of weeks, we've really unpacked chapter five. And I was reading on throughout the scripture and, and reading through chapter six, and I love chapter six of Matthew because Jesus talks to us about not being anxious about anything. <laughs> He talks to us about how he will take care of every single need that we could possibly have. And then he goes on into chapter seven. And, and that's really where I wanna hang out today is in Matthew chapter seven, verse seven. And it says this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now listen to this part. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? I love this scripture. It's unpacking this picture of a father who cares not just about our needs. Listen, Jesus already unpacked that in Matthew chapter six. He said, don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about what you will eat or what you will wear, what you will drink. I know that you need those things and I'm taking care of them. But he goes on in chapter seven to say this, ask. And I just wonder if what Jesus is saying in this chapter is, I care about you. I care about your needs, and I also care about the desires of your heart. I also care about the desires of your heart. You know, my children, they rarely ask me if I'm going to feed them. <laughs> They're like, Mom, are we going to eat today? No, they, they pretty much know that I'm going to make sure that they eat every single day. But what they do ask me sometimes is, Mom, what are we going to have to eat? If it's Avery, she'll say, can we please have Chipotle? which I can't provide for her every day, but you know what, sometimes I do. Or maybe instead of chicken, could we have burgers? They know I'm gonna feed them, but they, they know that they can come to me and, and ask for something that's the desire of their heart. And the scripture here says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So I wanna ask you today, church, what are some things you've stopped praying for and believing for?
What are some things you've stopped praying for and believing for? Now I want you to look at a neighbor and I want you to tell them this. Get your ask back. Say it carefully. Get your ask back. Turn to somebody else beside you. Say it carefully, people. Get your ask back. Let me pray for us and get started. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for what you're going to do in this room today. God, I thank you that here at the Movement Church today, God, that you are stirring up our faith and our expectation. God, that we can count on who you are as a good father who cares about us, who knows our every need, who's given us the desire of our heart. So God, I just pray that in this room today that every single person who's here would just open their hearts to hear what you have to say. God, I pray for those that walked in the room today just feeling discouraged. God, I pray that today that you would fill them with hope. God, I pray that today you would fill them with faith and expectation. God, I pray that today you would fill us with peace knowing that you are in control. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Everybody say, get your ask back. <laughs> hey, what keeps us from praying big prayers? When you think about it, what, what keeps you from praying big prayers and asking big asks when it comes to God? You know, I wonder, do we just become distracted? I wonder if sometimes we just get distracted with the busyness of life, the mundane of life, the day in and the day out, and, and we just get distracted. Or I wonder if sometimes the only time we think to ask God a big prayer, a big ask, is when we're in the middle of crisis, when we feel like we don't know what to do and we're at the end of our rope. I, I wonder if sometimes we wait for those moments. And then I also think that there might be people in this room who can identify with a timidity about asking a big ask or praying a big prayer because you don't want to be disappointed. You know, the book of Psalms tells us that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And I think hope deferred, all that really is, is disappointment. Hope deferred is when I'm waiting on something and I haven't seen it happen yet. And, and I just wonder how many times we don't pray big prayers because we don't want to feel that feeling of disappointment. We don't want to feel let down, and so we hold back and we're timid. I wonder how many times we don't seek to understand. The scripture says, seek and you will find. And I wonder how many times we don't seek to understand more about God. I wonder how many times we don't seek to understand and, and try to figure out what is God saying to me? What does God want from me? Because we're afraid of what we might find or what we might have to change. Because familiar is comfortable, isn't it? Safety, safety is found in what I know. And I just think that maybe sometimes we don't want to knock on that door and have that door opened because we can't control what's on the other side of it. Because if I knock on that door and I say, God, what's next? What do you have for me? And that door opens, then man, I'm supposed to walk through it and I don't know if I'm ready for that. You know, Thomas Edison is known for a famous quote, and he said this, opportunity is often missed because it's dressed in overalls and looks like hard work. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard that before. But I wonder if some of us avoid God in that way. We know that we're created with purpose, for a purpose, and we long for the fulfillment that living a life of purpose brings, but we don't dare ask God what he wants for us because it might disrupt our very safe and comfortable lives. It might change our schedule. 
It might ask us to do something that we're not sure we want to do. So I'm just afraid, church, that we often limit the power of God at work in our life because of our own timidity, our own fears, our own doubts. And today, my challenge to you is this. Get your ask back. Get your ask back. You're not going to forget this message. You know, I want to introduce you to a man in the Bible, and and maybe some of you are familiar with the Bible, and maybe for some of you this is a new thing, and that's okay. I'm going to try to do my best to recap the story for you, for those of you who might not know. But I'm going to take you all the way back to the first book in the Bible. It's the book of Genesis. And and I want to start by talking about a man named Abraham. And Abraham was a central character in the Old Testament. And God made a promise to Abraham that his offspring would be God's people and he would lead them into a promised land. Now, Abraham's firstborn son was Isaac. And one of Isaac's sons was Jacob. And these three characters in the Bible are referred to as the patriarchs of the faith. You've probably heard it said, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that's what it's talking about. And you see, every single one of these families, they all had something similar in common. Every one of these families had stories that reflect a waiting on the promises of God. And it seemed like nothing ever happened in the time frame that they hoped for it to. But every single one of them trusted God and believed for the fulfillment of a promise. You know, when you read the Bible, when you read the Old Testament specifically, but the whole Bible, you're going to find stories of Academy Award-winning dramas. I'm telling you, there are intriguing twists and turns and family feuds and breath-gasping suspense, and the Bible is just not boring. I'm telling you, I don't care who's told you it's boring, the Bible is not boring. And so we pick up in Genesis chapter 25, and we find that Rebecca, who is Isaac's wife, she is conceived, and she's going to give birth to twins. And it says that God told her that the younger child would serve the older. And the reason it's important you catch this is because that was absolutely countercultural in that day. Because the oldest child was always given the birthright. The oldest child was always given the birthright. The birthright is simply this, the wealth, the power, and the authority. And all the oldest children in the room are like, yes, pays to be an oldest child. So sure enough, Rebecca gives birth to twins, and Jacob was born the younger. It says in the Bible that he came out grasping the heel of his brother. And because of that, he got the name Jacob, which actually meant cheat or deceiver. And it's a name that he lived up to. <laughs> so the oldest brother, Esau, he was, he was basically his dad's favorite. He was Isaac's favorite. He was a manly man. He was the hunter. He would go out and he would hunt for days. And Isaac, he was Rebecca's favorite. And he was the, he was the guy that stayed at home. And he was a tent maker and stayed in the tents. And, and Rebecca favored him. And in the early adult years, maybe some of you know this story, Esau came home from a hunting trip and, and he was starving. He was hangry. Some of you are hangry. You are ready for In-N-Out right now, and it's not even 10 in the morning yet. Okay, so he came home, and, and basically Jacob swindled him into giving up his birthright for a bowl of soup. That means he gave up the wealth, the power, and the authority. He signed it over because he was hangry. What a moment. But prophecy fulfilled. So later... In life, when Isaac, the dad, was about to pass away, he decides, I want to do something for my son, (coughs) my oldest son. I want to pray a prayer of blessing over him. But the mom, Rebecca, and Jacob, they find out about this. 
And they concoct a plan to basically go in and disguise Jacob as the older brother Esau so that Isaac, the father who was blind and couldn't see, prays a prayer of blessing over Isaac instead of Esau. So this was the straw that broke the camel's back for Esau. You can imagine that, right? And he decided he wanted to kill his brother. So Jacob knew that he had to leave. So after having reconciled with his father, which means he got forgiveness from his father, he found peace. He set out towards a new land to start a new life and to find a wife. And that's where we pick up in the book of Genesis chapter 28. Now, Jacob had received forgiveness from his father, but I just imagine, and maybe some of you can relate with this, I just imagine that Jacob, Jacob probably knew what he had done wrong. You can imagine the amount of guilt and shame that he probably felt in this moment. And I, I know he knows he found forgiveness from his dad, but I just wonder if he was questioning where he stood with God. And maybe you walked in the room this morning and you're questioning, where do I stand with God? Because your past is not a past that you want anyone to know about. And so Jacob sets out on this journey to start a new life. And, and it says that on this journey, he stops to rest and to lay down and sleep. And he lays down and lays his head on a rock to sleep. And it says he had a dream. And in this dream, there was a stairway running between earth and heaven, and God's angels were going up and down the stairway. Now, commentators will tell you that that's just a sign that God wants to intervene here on earth in the day in and the day out life of what we live here on earth. So Jacob has this dream, and in this dream, the Lord is standing at the top of the staircase, and he gives Jacob a promise, the same promise that he gave to his grandfather Abraham and his father Isaac. And it says this in Genesis 28, verse 13 through 16, if you want to follow along. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and into the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Don't forget that part. It says, Jacob then awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid. And he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God and the gateway of heaven. And when Jacob awoke, he, he named this place Bethel. Side note for any of you who are interested, Jacob then committed to bring a tithe to God, the first 10% of anything that he had and anything that he made. For those of you interested on where the tithe comes from in the Bible, back to the story. <laughs> so Jacob had this moment, this defining moment with God. And, and many of you in this room will need a defining moment like this with God. Many of you have experienced this. Many of you have not yet. But there will be a moment in your life that is a defining moment with God where he speaks to you, where he speaks promise over your life, and he tells you exactly what he has in store for you. If you don't know what this is, this is what seek and you will find is all about in this scripture because the Bible is full of promises for your life. But this was a defining moment for Jacob. He had come from this place of pain and this place of mistakes and, and really questioning where he was and who he was and where he stood with God. And now God has spoken to him and given him a promise. You know, I asked my friend Sahar if I could share some of her story with you today. 
And she, Sahar's been in our church for quite some time. In fact, when we first started the Movement Church, she worked at the theater where we were doing church off of Crown Valley and the Five. And, and so she used to unlock the doors and, and just help us when we were there doing church. And slowly but surely during our time that we were there, she started coming into the services and, and listening to the worship songs and, and then sometimes coming in and sitting in a seat to listen to the message that was being taught. And and so one day, Sahar asked if we could meet for coffee, and, and she told me her story, and she said, you know, I've been coming into church, and I've been listening to, to these songs of worship, and I've been listening to the Word, and, and one day I was driving in my car, and I just started crying, and I realized, Jesus loves me. She just had this moment, not in church, not with anybody preaching to her. Just this moment in her car where the presence of God showed up and she felt so strongly, Jesus loves me. And she said she couldn't shake that moment. And we sat in the Starbucks talking about it and she said, but Megan, I'm struggling because she goes up until this point, like I've been doing drugs and, and I've got all of this stuff and I don't know what to do with it because it's really tempting me and, and I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I said, well, we need to throw it away. And so we're sitting in Starbucks pondering what we're going to do with all of these drugs and the paraphernalia that she has on her. And I'm like, do you have it all? She's like, it's right here in my purse. And I thought, we can't throw this away in the Starbucks bathroom. Like that would be dangerous for somebody else. And so I called my friend Kristen, who was a part of our church and a connect group leader, and she lived down the street. I said, Kristen, can we come to your house? And she's like, yes, why? And I'm like, don't ask, just we need to come. And, and so Sahar and I drive over to Kristen's house, and I'm like, listen, I understand that this could be uncomfortable, but I know that this will not be a temptation to you. We need to throw away Sahar's drugs in your trash can. <laughs> And so sure enough, we had a moment right there at Kristen's house and we trashed all of that drug paraphernalia because Sahar had had a moment with God, a defining moment, a moment where she went, Jesus loves me. All of the other things that she had been doing to try to find fulfillment, they didn't matter anymore because she had this revelation, Jesus loves me. And she'll tell you to this day, she'll say, that's the thing I go back to. That's the moment that I go back to. It's a grip hold. You know, if you've ever been rock climbing, whether it's indoor or outdoor, there's these things that you wrap your hands around, and they're very small, but there's something you grip a hold of to climb a wall, right? And I think these moments in our life, they're like a grip hold, where we're climbing and we're going through this life that we're called to live, and sometimes we feel like giving up, but, but if we could just cling to the word, the defining moment, the, the promise of God for our life, it will help us get to where we're going. So let's go back to Jacob. With this personal promise and this word from God, Jacob journeyed on into this new season. He fell in love with a beautiful girl, the daughter of a man named Laban, and he committed to work for the next seven years for her hand in marriage. And as irony would have it, Laban deceived Jacob, the deceiver, and he gave him his firstborn as a wife. So he marries Leah, and then he has to work seven more years in order to marry Rachel. So all of these years, he's working for this man named Laban, growing a family and contributing to Laban's wealth, working for the man. Busy, 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 just doing what he needed to do to survive. And from the outside looking in, and I imagine from the inside looking out, he didn't see real, any real evidence of the promises that God had given to him. And I just want to challenge you, church, it's easy to drift from the promises of God if you're not intentionally holding on to them. 
It's easy to drift from the promises of God, to, to question what you're doing and why you're doing it if you're not intentionally holding on to it. So Jacob finally decides that it's time to go and to return to his homeland, the land of promise, but his past was haunting him. And so as he made his way with his new family to return to his home and to reconcile with his brother, he prays to God for favor. And I love this part because when Jacob prays to God for favor, he recognizes that he came empty-handed from this land and now he's returning to it blessed with a family, blessed with servants, basically blessed with an entire nation. And he pauses and he thanks God for this. You see, it was in this long season of toil and working and waiting on the promises of God that God was preparing Jacob for the promise. And Jacob finally gets it. He acknowledges it. He realizes what that season was all about. And I just wonder if maybe some of you find yourself in a waiting season, waiting on the promises of God, a working season where you feel like you're just doing and you're walking through the motions and you feel like you're not seeing the results of anything that you had hoped for. Maybe for you, hope is deferred and it's making the heart sick. Maybe this season feels like it's lasting forever. And what I want to challenge you with is that in the middle of this season, the working and waiting season, if you could just start to look for what God is doing in this season to prepare you for the promise, you'll find an attitude of gratitude in that. Start looking for it. So Jacob, after he acknowledges this before God, he then goes off and he takes a moment by himself. And the Bible doesn't actually tell us why he did this. But what we know is that when Jacob went off by himself in this moment, that he wrestled with a man. Now, I know this sounds very funny. I'm trying to give you Bible history in like a few minutes here. But it says that he wrestled with a man. And the Bible doesn't say it was an angel. But because of what we read in the book of Genesis, chapter 32, we can assume that Jacob was wrestling with God. And he wrestled all night, the Bible says, with this man, all night long, holding on and wrestling and fighting. And suddenly, as the day is beginning to rise, the man touches his hip and puts it out of socket, and he's in pain, but he continues to hold on. And he says, I will not let go until you bless me. So the man says, I'll bless you. And he gets up, and now he's going to walk with a limp a reminder of the place of pain. But the man blesses him and he says to him that he's gonna rename him Israel. No longer is he the same person that he was before. No longer is he Jacob the deceiver. He is now Israel and it says because he has wrestled with God and with man and has prevailed. And I'm just saying some of you need to get this kind of grit with God. Some of you need to get this kind of grit with God where you go, I won't let go. I will not stop asking. I will not stop praying. I will not stop believing until you bless me. Some of us need this kind of grit with who God is, where we say, I'm not going to give up. Because some of you in this room, listen to me, I know have given up too easily on the promises of God. And you need to get some grit back. You need to get some grit back. See, Jacob goes on from that moment. He's reconciled with his brother, and he goes on to settle in a new land. And you know what happens in the new land? He experiences more drama. It's real. It's life. Pastor Kerry talked about this last week. In this world, you will have trouble. Jesus said that. But take heart. I have overcome the world. 
Some of us get so discouraged when we face problems, when we face trials of many kinds, and we think, oh, God must not be in this. But no, God told us we will have troubles. He just promised, I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. God doesn't ever promise us an easy life. But yet Jacob, here he is, Israel, and he finds himself frustrated, just so frustrated again, frustrated with his situation, and God speaks to him. In Genesis chapter 35, verse 1 through 3, and God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with them, put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. Listen to me, Movement Church. In essence, God is saying to Jacob, go back to where I first spoke to you. Go back to where I first spoke to you, the place where I first gave you the promise, the place where when you doubted that I cared about you, when you doubted that you were qualified, I spoke to you. I met you in this place. You named it Bethel. Go back to that place where I gave you the promise. But before you do that, deal with the sin in the camp. Get your heart right. Get your life right. And then go back to that place. And it says that God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padan Aran, and he blessed him and listened to him. God said to him, your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. Now pause for a moment. I thought that already happened. But do you know how easy some of us drift from what God has said to us about who we are, about where our, our, where our identity is found? Do you know how easy we just fall back into the old way of thinking? Do you know how easy it is to go back to letting our past define us instead of stepping into the future that God has called us to? And I just think God had to take this moment again with Jacob and go, hey, no longer is your name Jacob. You're not the summation of your past. You are not the deceiver. It does not matter where you have been or what you have done. I've called your name Israel. You have a new name. So he calls him name, his name Israel, and God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. And the land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. Now, why in the world have I broken down the entire life of Jacob for you, church? Because Jacob... Jacob was called before he was born. He was marked with a destiny before he was born. And so were you. You were called before you were born. God knew you, every hair on your head. He knew every step you would ever take. He knew every breath you would ever breathe. You were called before you were born and you were marked with a destiny. And Jacob was a sinner just like you and me. And I don't care what your story is. I don't care what your past looks like and neither does God. Doesn't matter how far you think you've gone or how much you think you've messed up. Jacob was a sinner just like you and me, but God still chose him. Yeah. 
And God still gave him a promise. And he had to stop looking at his past and start looking forward to his future. And God kept saying, I see you. I've called you by name. I've given you the same promise that I gave to your grandfather and to your father before you. And I'm not done with you yet. Come on. You have the same mark of purpose and destiny on your life today, church. And then God was with Jacob. In every single season of his life, whether he could see it or not. And guess what? He is with you too. He is with you too. And when Jacob was in distress, when he was in a moment where he didn't know what to do, where he was in a moment where he didn't know what to do, he went back to the very thing, to the very place where God last spoke to him. And I just feel that a word from God for some of you in this room today, is that you need to stop questioning the promises of God. See, Jacob, he went back to what God spoke to him. And I think there's some people in the room today who need to get back to what God spoke to you. When Jacob got back to that place, God reminded him of who he was. And then he reminded him of the promise. And guess what? The promise hadn't changed. God didn't change his mind. Some of you need to know God has not changed his mind. God has not changed his mind about you. God has not changed his mind about your purpose. The word that God gave you that may seem like it is slow in coming, God has not changed his mind. He gave him the same word. He gave him the same promise. And some of you have got to stop questioning the promises of God and the word of God for your life. Stop sitting in a place of doubt and telling yourself that you just, you just don't know what God is saying to you. If you're not hearing God right now, you get back to the place where you were hearing him. You get back to the word that he did speak to you and you cling to it like a grip hold for your life. We gotta get back to this place. He hasn't changed his mind. Go back to what he said to you and hold on to that. Listen to me, church. You've got to get your ask back and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. Listen to me. Maybe the problem is that your prayer life stinks. Maybe your prayer life stinks. You just talk to God when, when you're desperate and you're in crisis and, and it's something so big you don't think you can handle it. But you've stopped talking to God about the desires of your heart. The prayers that you that you deeply have, but you don't want to say out loud because you don't want to be disappointed again. Maybe you don't know what God's saying to you. Maybe you're here and, and you've been wrestling with faith and honestly, you just, you go, I don't, I don't know what God's saying to me. Well, the Bible says, seek and you will find. Maybe it's time to begin to explore what the word of God says for you and for your life. Seek and you will find. Some of you need to ask God to remind you of his promises to remind you of who he says that you are. You're not the summation of your past. He's renamed you and he calls you his. And if God has spoken to you a promise, FYI, he hasn't changed his mind. He hasn't changed his mind. You've just drifted. You've just drifted. So deal with the sin in the camp. Get your heart right. Get your life right. And get back to the place where God has called you. It's time to get your ask back. Get your ask back. Some of you are in this room and you need a miracle. 
You need a miracle. And the Bible tells us in John 14, 13 through 14, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Guess what is in accordance with the name of Jesus? Healing is in accordance with the name of Jesus. The Bible says by his stripes we are healed. The Bible says that his will for us is health in our bodies and life in our bones. We can ask in accordance with the name of Jesus. You know what else is in accordance with his name? Protection. It says he's our protector. When false accusations are being made about us, he is our protector. When we're up against trials that we can't control, when we walk through the fire, he will be with us. He is our protector. It tells us that he's our provider. Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He will take care of our needs. Luke 18, 1 through 8, Jesus explains this to his disciples in a parable. And he says this. He tells them this parable to the effect that they might always pray and not lose heart. Movement Church, don't lose heart. There's some people in this room who need to be reminded not to lose heart. God's not finished yet. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice. So she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry out day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find that kind of faith here on the earth? This parable is to show us that even an unrighteous judge, when just constantly asked, when constantly pursued by this widow who needed something from him, who was asking something from him, he said, fine, I'm just gonna give it to her so she'll stop beating me down. This wasn't even a godly man. And Jesus is painting this picture that could you just be a little bit persistent? Could you just get your faith up? If you haven't seen the thing that you're praying for yet, then keep asking. If you haven't seen the thing you're seeking yet, then keep seeking and you will find. If the door hasn't opened to you yet, then you keep knocking on that door until that door opens for you. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Some of you have got to get persistent and go, if God's given me a promise, if God has spoken to me, I'm going to keep knocking on that door until that door opens. I'm going to keep knocking on that door. I get this picture of being a kid. Do you remember when you were a kid and you went to your friend's house to play and they weren't home yet and you stood and you knocked on the door? Anybody do this? And you stood and you knocked and you knocked and you knocked and your mom's yelling, I don't think they're home yet, honey. And you're like, it's okay. I'm gonna keep knocking. And you just stand there and then you sit on the front porch for a little bit and then you keep knocking on the door and then you sit on the front porch for a little bit and all of a sudden, the garage door starts to open and a car pulls into the driveway and your friend's home and they get to come out and play. But you didn't stop knocking. You were ready. You were waiting. You were saying, come on. 
It's time. I'm ready for this. And some of you, God has spoken to you a word and you have given up praying about it because you don't want to be disappointed again. And I'm telling you, it's time to get your ask back. Get your ask back. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. And listen, God loves to do good things for his kids. He loves to. I'll never forget a handful of years ago, four or five, I don't remember exactly. We, we were driving this beat up Ford Explorer. I can't even remember what our other car was now. To- yeah, Toyota Yaris, but the Explorer, man. You couldn't get in the front door, the, the driver's side. You had to either climb through the passenger side to get into the driver's side, or you had to stick this thing in like you were breaking into the car. In Orange County, you guys, like breaking into the, the front of the car to get in the car to drive. And I was like, God, we really need a new car. And I, and I was kind of praying. But honestly, we were in the middle of starting this church, and, and I didn't really know how that was going to happen. And one day, my daughter Avery says to me, and I remember where we were, Crown Valley in Greenfield, right by the Chick-fil-A. And she says to me, Mom, I want a car with a third row. And I'm like, great. <laughs> Me too. I'm like, we don't even need a third row, but awesome. Like, you know, whatever. You know what, babe? You take that up with Jesus, okay? Why don't you talk to God about that? So she did. She started praying. And I don't know how much longer it was from that moment, but there was a day my husband got a phone call from a pastor who he met one time. And the pastor called him the day after he met him, and he said, listen, I don't know why, but God spoke to me when I met you that I'm supposed to give you my car. To be honest with you, at first we're like, what kind of a beater is this? (laughs) Like, we we don't need another problem in our life, okay? So awesome. So he begins to unpack for Carrie. Yeah, it's a 2003 Lexus SUV with a third row. And I'll never forget walking around the corner, the hallway of my house, My girls, both of them, were standing in the bathroom, and I said, you guys aren't gonna believe this, but somebody's gonna give us a car, and it has a third row. And I walked away from the bathroom, and I heard Avery, and I caught a glimpse of her in the mirror, looking up towards the ceiling, and she goes, thank you, God. If God didn't give us a car just to build my little girl's faith, I'm telling you, he wants to do the same thing for you the kind of faith where you believe that God can do anything you know, so much more than you've ever asked or imagined. My friend Judy Caldron battled a long battle of cancer in her body. Her husband fasted for her for 40 days, believing for healing. And do you know what? She's been walking cancer-free for, I think, 16 years. Why? Because God is a God who heals. He is capable of doing these things. And some of you just need to get your ask back. My friend Kristen and Clay Stansel had a word from God that God was gonna give them a son and they would name him Samuel. And for three long years of infertility, they did not see anything happening with that promise. But I can stand here today and tell you they have a two-year-old little boy in their home running around and they named him Samuel because God is faithful to his word and he's faithful to his promises. He has not finished with you yet. So if God has given you a word, some of you have got to get to the place where you get your ask back. You begin to pray. You begin to believe. You begin to ask again. You knock on that door and you just keep knocking until it is opened. It is time to get your ask back. 
God's got good things in store for you. So what have you stopped praying and believing for? What's one thing you've stopped asking God for? Because you don't want to be disappointed. What have you stopped believing for? It's time to get your ask back. How many of you in this room could use a little prayer this morning? Need to get your ask back. I'd like to pray for us. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord Jesus, I just thank you that in this room today, you are stirring up faith. God, I thank you that today in this moment that you are reminding people of your promise. God, words that have been spoken. God, prophetic words that have been spoken over lives that are in this room about purpose and about destiny. God, I pray that right now in this moment that you would remind each and every individual in this place who you say they are. God, the good things that you have in store for them. God, I pray that you would increase our faith. God, that you would help us, God. Just like the centurion said, God, help me. I believe, but help my unbelief. God, I pray you would increase our faith today to believe for the miraculous, to believe for the impossible, to know that you are a good father who loves us and who cares about us and who desires to bless us. So God, I pray that out of this room, there would come stories of your miraculous working power in our lives. God, I thank you that you're faithful and I thank you that you're good. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now listen, there's some of you that are here and we give this opportunity every week and you hear this message being taught and, and it stirs up something inside of you, but if you were honest, you've really been far from God. Maybe you came here today questioning your faith, not sure what you believe. And I'm just here to tell you today on Father's Day, you have a good father in heaven who loves you. He chose you. He marked your life with destiny before you were born. And you can run for as long as you want to from him, but I'm telling you, you will never know the fulfillment of a life lived with purpose until you surrender your will to his. And I just want to give you an opportunity today. If that's you, you've been running from God, and it's time to come back. Today's your day. Or maybe you're here and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. Today is your day. And I'm gonna pray a prayer with you. I'm not gonna ask you to get out of your seat. I'm not gonna ask you to pray out loud. This is a moment between you and God, but it's a defining moment. It's a defining moment. And I'm just gonna ask everyone in this room to bow your head and close your eyes. And if you're here and that's you, and you need to make a decision today to follow Jesus, to stop running from him, Say, God, I surrender. Would you pray this prayer with me? Say, dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for choosing me. Even in the midst of my past, God, you chose me. Today, I ask that you would forgive me from trying to do this on my own. And I'm making a decision to follow you, to live the life of purpose you've called me to live. And all around this room, if that's you, would you let these words be your own? Just say this, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the decisions being made in this place today. God, thank you that when we leave here today, we're gonna be reminded of your faithfulness. God, we're gonna be reminded of the good works which you have in store for us and you created us to do. And God, today as a church, we're committed to getting our ask back. 
In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.